Just how do those folks at Disney do it? Not only do they manage to take little stories conjured up by other people and then turn them into billion dollar pictures, they do so in a fashion that all but obliterates the source material. So much so that when we mention Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, The Jungle Book or Mary Poppins, we think not of the Brothers Grimm, Rudyard Kipling or P.L. Travers, but of the Disney films. More than that, we might be forgiven for thinking that Disney and not Carlo Collodi invented Pinocchio. The Little Mermaid? Surely not Hans Christian Andersen. Likewise, you may not even have heard of Jean-Marie Le Prince du Beaumont, but you most certainly have seen and most probably sung along to Beauty and the Beast. Tailor's oldest time True as it can be But at least Dubois-Mont was listed in the credits for that film, because when it came to The Lion King, Shakespeare didn't get a mention. But I have come not to bemoan Walt Disney Pictures, rather I'm here to applaud them. Year after year, whether it is through feature films, television shows, Broadway musicals, amusement parks or merchandising, they continuously and relentlessly present stories, characters, images and songs that percolate throughout our lives. How do they do it? Obviously, there is a formula, but we can rest assured that its secret is kept under lock and key, hidden in a vault deep within the Magic Kingdom. Well, not really. I think their success is down to their adaptability. And I don't mean their ability to adapt other people's work. I mean the company itself. Rather than being an immovable and intractable monolith, they seem to subtly change the content and message of their films to fit the cultural mood. Once upon a time, Disney's films housed archly conservative values that stereotyped everything from age and ethnicity to social order and gender. Take the female characters in their cartoons. You know, the long blonde haired females who are only fulfilled when their slender figures fell helplessly into the arms of a man. Think Snow White, Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty. But while the body image may not have changed much, think Ariel, Belle, Mulan and Pocahontas, at least they are no longer so helpless. Some would say that they are feisty, but to me that word may be intended as a compliment, but really it is a cliché that conceals contempt. Likewise, strong and independent. How often, or more pertinently, how seldom, are Disney's male characters described as such? It's a given that they are. But more recently, you may have noticed that a Disney heroine is a self-reliant personality whose main goal in life is not to find the man who will provide her with all the domesticity she might ever need. In fact, she may be more interested in finding a woman. You don't need to look any further than their most recent phenomenon, Frozen. You don't have to protect me. I'm not afraid. 
Please don't shut me out again. Please don't slam the door. You don't have to keep your distance anymore. Cause for the first time in forever, I finally understand. For the first time in forever, we can fix this hand in hand. We can head down this mountain together. You don't have to live in fear. Cause for the first time in forever, I will be right here. Directed by Jennifer Lee and Chris Buck, the award-laden and highest-grossing ever animated film is based on The Snow Queen that Hans Christian Andersen first published 170 years ago. One of Andersen's most enduring, acclaimed and intricate stories, it is in fact not just one story, but seven. And so intricate is it that it has inspired such seemingly diverse plots as C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, Manuel Puig's The Kiss of the Spider-Woman and even several computer games. None of which should come as too much of a surprise when we learn that Anderson himself found inspiration for a story in real life when he met and fell in love with a famed Swedish opera singer, Jenny Lind. Although Lind was very fond of Anderson, she did not return his romantic overtures and Anderson had to settle for a platonic friendship instead. However, that friendship did not stop him from basing the Snow Queen herself on the celebrated soprano. Born of cold and winter, air and mountain rain combining. This icy force, both foul and fair, has a frozen harbor binding. Anderson's tale begins with a mirror created by the devil that distorts people's self-image. The mirror shatters and, depending on who was looking in it at the time, the shards pierce their hearts and turn their hearts into lumps of ice. Disney changed that element so there is no mirror and indeed no devil. More than that, Anderson's tale centers around two children, Gerda and Kay, who are not sister and brother, but simply friends. When Kay's heart is pierced, he turns his back on Gerda and joins the Snow Queen. Heroically, Gerda goes off in search of him and finds the poor chap, his heart, all but frozen. So how does Gerda save him? Love. So upset is she to see him in this icicle state that she starts to cry. And it is the warmth of her tears that literally and figuratively melts his ice-bound heart. Furthermore, in Anderson's fable, there are no romantic relationships and scant mention of princes looking for a bride. All of which I detail because if you ever sit down to tell your daughter or niece the story of the Snow Queen, be prepared for some stern protests that you're getting it wrong, Stephen. I mean, where are the songs? Okay, can I just say something crazy? I love crazy. All my life has been a series of doors in my face. And then suddenly I bump into you. I was thinking the same thing. Because, like, I've been searching my whole life to find my own place. And maybe it's the party talking or the chocolate fondue. <laughs> but with you. But with you, I found my place. I see your face. And, and it's, it's nothing, nothing like I've ever known before. Love is an open door. Love is an open door. Love is an open door. 
Another thing that Anderson got wrong was that his story was about a girl and a boy, when everyone who has ever read his story should know that it really should have been about a girl and a girl. Sisters, in fact. And I firmly believe that that is one of the main reasons why Frozen has become such a cultural juggernaut. It is no secret that female audiences are malnourished when it comes to Hollywood entertainment. Sure, the studios throw a few annual scraps in their general direction. A picture that can secure a nomination for best performance by an actress in a leading role. And then another nomination for a best performance by an actress in a leading role not delivered by Meryl Streep. But Hollywood, where only 5% of the movies are directed by women, and where all the studios are run by men, prefer to make movies that are big and loud and fueled by testosterone that can then drive these awesome machines that blow up a whole lot of stuff. Why? Well, because those films springboard onto other platforms, such as the highly profitable gaming industry. Do you want to build a snowman? Come on, let's go and play. I never see you anymore. Come out the door. It's like you've gone away. We used to be best buddies, but now we're not. I wish you would tell me why. Do you want to build a snowman? It doesn't have to be a snowman. Okay, bye. Well, if you do things right, and by golly, did Disney do it right with Frozen, your film can springboard you onto other platforms, such as all manner of merchandising, like toys, and spin-offs like Broadway musicals, and most obvious of all, Disney on ice. But that's the commercial part. The more enduring and heartfelt part of Frozen is that it is about women. And I think that Disney have been carefully refining that formula ever since Uncle Walt released the very first full-length animated feature film way back in 1937. Snow White may have featured seven little men and one handsome prince, but look at their filmography and you will see Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland, Lady and the Tramp and Sleeping Beauty. Yes, Disney also animated Pinocchio, Bambi, Peter Pan, Aladdin and The Lion King. But look closely at those stories and you will notice the indelible presence of females, the Blue Fairy, Bambi's mother, and Tinkerbell, to name but three. The secret of Disney's success just might be its female fan base. From there, their stories lean heavily towards family entertainments. And where once upon a time, that family was a nuclear unit with a mum, a dad, and two kids, preferably white and definitely heterosexual, Culture has changed and Disney has adjusted its pictures to meet that change. Now you can have a family entertainment that does not centre around a girl being whisked away by a boy, but about two women, sisters, one of whom is lesbian. And the whole story is about embracing who you are and realising that you need not lock yourself in an ice palace. It's about love being warm enough to not only melt your heart and overcome prejudice, but to help you achieving self-realization. And what a great message that is for any person. The snow glows white on the mountain tonight, not a footprint to be seen. A kingdom of isolation, and it looks like I'm the queen. 
Don't feel, don't let them know. 